introduce our speaker this morning. Uh, he gave me 15 pages of things that I could say about him, but I'll just draw it down to one. Uh, Paul Goodman is our uh, Kids in the Kingdom pastor, and my one word introduction is this, he's awesome. Would you stand and welcome Paul this morning? Larry, don't sow misinformation. I didn't give you 15 pages. I gave him 20. No. <laughs> hey, guys. Oh, it's so good to see you. I'm usually upstairs with the adults, and then I communicate you all to you all with, through video. <laughs> um, oh, man, what a great morning. Well, hey, uh, before I start speaking... Um, well, I'm already speaking, but before the message begins, I just have just a couple of things to, one's a shout out to someone that I'm going to do in a minute, but um, for those of you who don't know, well, I'm the children's pastor, Paul Goodman, and uh, I've been full-time here for the last uh, two years. What a blessing and privilege. And um, just in this last season, I put this out on Facebook to our closed Facebook groups, but um We've just been, as my family, we've just been going through some health issues. And so just for the next couple of months during summer, I'm going to be just taking a short little break. Don't worry. We're doing spiritually great. We're vibrant. We've got the fire of Jesus in us. We're just taking a little time just to get back up to full health as a family. And so, um, yeah, so just agree with us. We'll, we'll be... Sh- We'll be able to share some great testimonies with you about that soon. So uh, in my absence, if you can put the slide up there, the awesome David Stagnaro is going to be uh, being administrating Kids in the Kingdom. He's a current day spring um, Christian school teacher. He teaches middle school. He moved here last year from San Diego where he was a children's pastor before that. And so it's a blessing. He's up there with the kids today. And so uh, one thing I want to do, she might not like this, but I would like to do a big shout out to longtime Kids in the Kingdom teacher, and even before it was Kids in the Kingdom, Amy Cross. She has been... She has been pouring into the kids of our body for 18 years. I asked her, like, Amy, when did you start? She's like, I don't know. I think it was when Sandra's son, Mally, was like two years old. And so that's how long she's been pouring into the kids, kids here at Dayspring. And Amy, normally I'd give someone flowers, but in your case, that's very redundant. Because as you know, or many of you know, she just recently retired from being owner of Hilltop Farms, which is a nursery, plant nursery. So I got her fruit flowers. So thank you so much, Amy, for all the time and energy and love spent pouring into our kids. We love you so much. So um, this morning... Uh, well, usually I, I'm kind of like the funny guy around here, you know, and uh, make funny videos and things. Today, if you would allow me to get a little passionate, all right, I'll, I'll 
probably throw in one-liners and things like that, but I'm just going to show you my passion a little bit, something I've been chewing on, oh, for about 20 years. So I might get a little passionate. Shout out to my wonderful wife and daughter. There they are. Hi. There they are. Love you. My son's at home watching online. He's a little ill and want to welcome everyone watching, everyone else watching online today as well. We, we, uh, we welcome you. So today we're going to continue our series on kingdom power. And we're going to talk about power on mission today. And during this message, there might be times where we will have to take two seemingly opposing ideas and hold them in tension with each other, almost like you're holding the reins of a horse. You got to hold both sides in tension in order to steer in the right direction, right? In our country, we're kind of trained to take one thought and run with it this way, right? Without any opposing thought holding on to it, right? And so there are going to be a few kingdom concepts that we need to keep in tension. And so I just want you to keep that in mind today, okay? Um, let me see. I have my printed notes, and then I have all my scribbles that I've written next to my notes that I have to discern and pray over real quick. No, just kidding. Um, so, Jesus, on his time on the earth, he modeled kingdom expansion. He modeled it. He trained the disciples through hands-on training how to do it. And then once you hit the book of Acts, you see them doing it. And I used to be an educator for uh, 15 years for the Springfield Public Schools. And we would go through trainings. And in those trainings, they would explain um, the hierarchy of learning like what is most um, beneficial, the ben mo most beneficial modes of teaching someone something. And actually, lecturing is the, one of the lower forms of learning. And on the high end is modeling, coaching, and then having someone do it, right? And giving them feedback once they do it. Jesus in all of his wisdom, he knew that all along. He didn't need some fancy 20th century scientist telling him that, right? So he, that's what he did with his disciples all along, was he modeled, he coached, he trained. A lot of my thoughts are going to be kind of um, springboard out of Luke 10. In the previous chapter of Luke 9, we see Jesus tell the 12 disciples here, I'm going to give you some authority. I don't know how that looked. I don't know if he like balled up some authority and then handed. I don't know how that looked. I don't know if he prayed over them, but he gave them authority to go out and tell people in the surrounding villages about him. And he's like, if someone like likes you, like go with them and hang out with them, eat with them, right? And, um, and spread the word of God to that village, right? And then a chapter later, he tries it out again, except this time with a group of 72 of them, right? So he gathers, gathers them together, says, I'm going to give you guys authority. Now go out and start spreading 
the word and, and bless people and lay hands on people and you're going to see him recover. And, and so Jesus, you see Jesus here doing a very hands-on approach with the disciples, right? Um, and he's training them to be ready to implement his mission once he's gone. Isn't that cool? Isn't Jesus so wise? And so um, some people here today, if you can go to the next slide. Oh, I wanted to say this. In order to do this mission that Jesus has, and what I'm going to be explaining here in a little, little bit, we need to do this together. Jesus didn't create us to be lone rangers. He created us to walk together with each other in this venture. We need each other's giftings, passions, talents, perspectives. We, we need each other to accomplish this mission together. So that's also the context here, that we're not doing this alone. Also, I want to say one other thing. There might be some people here who you're, everyone goes through different seasons of life at different times. So if you're going through what would be maybe a winter or fall season right now, a little tough, I want you to hang with me through this message. Because I know it's, this message might sound like it's directed to people who are like in the spring and summer of life, who have tons of energy, and they're like, go, let's go get it, right? But bear with me, because I'm going to give even some folks who are going through tough times right now some tips on how to engage Jesus in his mission during tough times as well, Okay. And I'm, I'm feeling that because we've just been going through a season right now with these health issues. It's been tough, and so I identify with those of you who are going through those tough seasons right now. Okay. So, Jesus, he gave the disciples the Great Commission. It says in Matthew 28, and we're going to be like gobbling up Scripture this morning, all right? And I encourage you, anything I say... I'm going to be posting them notes online on our church Facebook page later today. Get back in the word. Don't believe this just because I said it. Dig in the word yourself, okay, and, and, and pull it out. Mine it. Mine it like gold. Um, okay, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So, it's interesting that Jesus here, for the word nations, he could have used a, a variety of other words in the Greek, but he chose to use the word ethnos here for nations. Ethnos is focused on people groups. So in our nation, geographic nation, we have people groups, right? If you, live, if you live in inner city, people groups are usually kind of live in segregated neighborhoods. Jesus' heart is to pierce each of those neighborhoods with the gospel. Here in the Ozarks, you have the rural folks, you have folks that live in the city, right? Um, you have sub-communities within our community. And I would like to propose that, if you can go to the next slide, 
I would like to propose that when the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit literally and figuratively look down at us, they see these relational spheres when they look on the earth. They see, okay, I see this family here, and they're part of this sub-community, right? And then here's maybe you over here, okay? And you have Jesus, and maybe that family or sub-community doesn't have Jesus, and he's going to put someone in your heart or someone in your current spheres of influence to connect with. And when those two circles touch, that's where the power of God occurs. Okay? And I'm going to try to build a case for you to not just take what I'm saying as at face value, but let's actually look at it in Scripture and see if that's what Jesus actually does. Okay? So if you go to the next slide. I'd like to propose that when Jesus walked on the earth, he, um, he saw this, right? And so Jesus would walk into a village or town, and um, he would find someone that Luke 10 describes as, as a person of peace, okay? In Heidi Baker's terminology, she calls it stopping for the one, Right? So the Holy Spirit leads you to the one. It could be someone in your workplace, in your apartment complex, or maybe God puts an apartment complex on your heart and says, I want to bring the gospel there, right? So I'm gonna pro- I propose that Jesus gave his disciples a way to go about this, okay? So Jesus looks, yep, yeah, you can go ahead. Thank you so much. You can go to the next one. So let's take uh, in John 4, for example. Jesus walks through. um, Israel was split in half by Samaria. Samaria was a place uh, where the, the two people groups, the Israelites and Samaritans, didn't get along. Cultural clashes, religious clashes, they didn't like each other. Jesus is like, we're going through Samaria. His disciples are like, oh, are you sure about this? He's like, yes, we're going through. So Jesus, the disciples one day go into a village, a Samaritan village. Jesus stops at a well. Jesus stopped for the one. There's a lady there. She's an outcast of society. Like men were not supposed to speak to women in public then, especially a Samaritan woman from a different culture. He crosses into the Samaritan sphere, and when he touches the one on the edge of that societal relational sphere, the power of God occurs. In Luke 10, when Jesus is sending out his 72 disciples, he says this verse. This is going to blow your minds because it blew my mind when I first... Uh, read it. If I can find it, sorry. Well, in Luke 10, he says, I'm sending you out into the harvest. Pray to the Father that he sends out workers into the harvest field. 
And in my Western mind, I used to think that that meant, okay, Jesus, I pray that you raise up someone here in the United States to be a missionary to Africa. No. Jesus demonstrated this concept, okay? So Jesus, I'm sure he prayed that morning, God, lead me to the one. Father, lead me to the one. That one was going to be the worker in her harvest field. Okay? So God leads him to the Samaritan woman. She encounters Jesus. Then what does she do? She runs to everyone in her societal ethnos circle. And instantly Jesus gets credibility in that circle. Who was the worker in this scenario? Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman became the worker. The one, the person who was the one that Jesus touched, became the worker in her harvest field. And she just told everyone about what Jesus did. John 4.39 says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony where she said, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, the the Samaritans, the rest of them, said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is Savior of the world. Jesus finds the one. The one becomes the worker in their harvest field. Okay? Another um, person in Scripture, Jesus, oh, if you can go back, sorry. Jesus, the one leper, and Jesus connect. Jesus heals the leper, and then, um, actually, it says Jesus says, don't go and tell people, because Jesus didn't want his notoriety to, like, grow that fast. He's like, don't tell anyone. He didn't listen went and told all of Galilee anyway, and suddenly, boom, everyone's seeking out Jesus because this leper told his testimony to everyone in his harvest field. In that moment of time, Jesus was like, it was just for that moment in time, Jesus was like, I don't want to be like that famous yet. It actually says he couldn't go into any urban areas after that because of that man's testimony. That's how powerful the testimony was. So... um. Next slide. So then we switch our gaze to the apostles. So then in the beginning of Acts, we have Philip. And Philip, uh, the whole, it says the Holy Spirit leads him to an Ethiopian eunuch who was, uh, had stopped his chariot along the road. So the Holy Spirit tells Philip, Go talk to this guy. The guy is right then having his own personal Bible study. Scroll study, I guess. And he's sitting there and reading the word. And he's like, I don't understand all this. It's like about this man and prophecies. And then Philip talks to him, baptizes him. The guy gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then Philip disappears. And God translates him to another location to talk to someone else. That is wicked awesome. That, that is like life goal right there. Um, so suddenly this Ethiopian eunuch has the Holy Spirit. He has a knowledge of the word. And then 
You know what he does? He becomes a worker in his harvest field and goes and tells his societal ethnos sphere of influence the gospel. Isn't that crazy? Philip didn't even have to go with him. He just, he had everything he, he needed. He had the Holy Spirit and he had the word. Isn't that crazy? Uh, another story. Paul is imprisoned in a city of Philippi, Gentile city, and they're praising God, having a little worship session while they're chained to the wall, right? And um, earthquake occurs, miraculous power of God occurs right there, right? Because God wanted to reach that city of Philippi. And who is the one on the edge of those two connecting circles? The jailer. They stay there. The jailer's amazed. They're like, he's like, you didn't even run away? What in the world? And so he's like, come to my house, right? They hang out with him. They eat with him. They preach the gospel to him. He, received, he and his whole household received the gospel. Suddenly there's a church planted in Philippi, right? Because of the, they loved on the one, right? And then the one became the worker to his harvest field. So here's some modern day examples next. Me. And, and I'm going to talk about you, too. But God's given me the opportunity. I used to teach right down the road here at Robertson School. And God gave me favor with the parents and teachers. And now we run a van ministry with some of those kids. Because the kids and some of these parents are the people of peace. And they're going to become the workers in their spheres of influence here on, in the north side of Springfield. Okay? My good friend Farley, friend and mentor, Farley Lewis, now full-time artist extraordinaire in the plain air circuit. And he, one day, he was at this event with other painters, and a fellow painter, her um, finger was severely burned, had an almond-sized lump on her finger. She was not able to paint she was very uncomfortable during this event, had her finger in a cup of ice and water. And so he offered to pray for her, instantly healed. So here's Farley, trying, and, and Farley has Jesus in him and wants to share the love of Jesus with the plain air art community in the United States. So guess what? That lady, Caroline, was the one. He stopped for the one. And then you know what happens now? People come to him, and he's known to be like the guy. He's like, if you need healing, go, you got to see Farley. He's the guy. He he's, carries the power of God. Go talk to Farley. Right? And so she's be, she spread the word, though. She was the one that went around in her community and spread the word. Right? And then Farley didn't have to he didn't have to do anything. That was great. He just stopped for the one. So then that leads us to you. I'm just going to, for the sake of argument, I'm just going to assume we're all in Springfield here for a reason, and God wants you all here, okay? Or, or the surrounding areas. 
And if you're watching online, that God wants you where you are at currently, okay? That you have prayed where to live, that you've asked God, where should I go work, right? Let's just, I'm just going to assume we've all done that, okay? If you haven't, go, go back in your prayer closet, just ask God about that, okay? Um, so then there's you here today. And we are in the uttermost parts of the earth right now. And there's people around us every day that don't know the love of Jesus, right? So here at Dayspring, we exist to host his presence, equip his people, and to reach his world. Now, this message is very focused on equipping people and reaching the world, okay? So because we want to equip you to reach your world, and you have access to sub-communities in our community that no one out there might not be a whole lot of overlap in this room. Maybe there is some, right? But God wants to reach the people in your workplace. God wants to reach the people in, in your neighborhood, right? I mean, that's why we're here. And so we're going to be talking about today like the multiplication power of the gospel. And I'm going to give a few um, practical things. I'm, I'm a real practical guy. And I'm just going to put some practical things in your hands to walk away out of this room and just start applying them to your life today. Okay? So if you can go to the next slide. You're a missionary here to Springfield, Missouri. You're destined to expand his influence in his church in your current spheres of influence and your future spheres of influence. Next slide. Oh, skip that one. Go ahead. Oh, this is so cool. Multiplication effect. The effects of compound interest, if you will. So, man, if the 12, just think, think of just like each, between each of these generations of disciples, even if it was like the length of 20 years between each of these generations, it would have taken only 160 years to get to the eighth generation, at which point we would be up to 429 million people. No, sorry, 5 billion people. Isn't that crazy? So if we just impacted 12 people, and then those people impacted 12 people, man, we got to get on board with God's thoughts here. He's, he's into multiplication right? That's cool. That's cool stuff. All right, next slide. All right, sorry. I'm a visual guy. I gotta, I gotta do stuff like this, okay? I'm like a teacher. I like graphs, illustrations. Um, in the left, not the most left column, the middle column, is the kind of traditional U.S. mindset for outreach, okay? How to connect Event-based, event-based connections where someone shows up for an event or program. Generally in America, right? Most American churches, just as a whole. Where does it take place? Generally the church building. And who does the discipling of those people that show up? Most churches in America is usually the church professionals. Professionals. Right? Now on the right is what I'm proposing is Jesus, what, the way Jesus spread mission. It's Holy Spirit-initiated connection in spheres of influence. Okay? It's cool. I mean, it's, uh, 
and this, this is where we hold two things in tension, okay? We can have church and we can have events, but who are we trusting in ultimately in our heart? We're trusting in the Holy Spirit to make Holy Spirit-initiated connections, right? So can we t- hold those two thoughts in tension with each other? I think, I believe so. So if someone walks in this building and you didn't personally invite them here, that's fine. God brought them in this building. And we're going to make connections with them, okay? So let's hold those two things in, in tension. Where is it? So this, these Holy Spirit-initiated connections, where? They're mostly going to take place in your workplace, your home, your school, your neighborhood, because that's where people are, right? And who does the discipling in this model? Which I call an anti-model, which I'll tell you why in a minute. Every believer, it's you, it's me, it's all of us. We're actually discipling the people, right? Okay, I gotta, I gotta like start flying here. Okay, you're gonna disciple those around you by learning to, we're gonna use an acronym today, bless others. It's in the, we can just use a regular word bless, but we're gonna also throw an acronym onto it for easy memorability, remembrance. All right, so next slide. Oh, one thing. A lot of times we think that we have to disciple people differently after the cross, after they've pledged allegiance to Jesus, than we do before the cross. Okay? So as we go through this bless thing, I'm going to talk to you about how you're going to bless people the same before they come to Jesus, the same way after they come to Jesus. Okay? And I'm going to explain that here in a minute. You can go to the next one. Okay, you're going to, the be and bless is begin with prayer. I know it's a little stretch. Begin with prayer. And because everything we're doing, this is an anti-model because we're not depending on a model, we're depending on the Holy Spirit. So you have to begin this in prayer. This all revolves around you hearing from God and walking in the power of God, Okay? Like, the things coming up next have to be infused with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It has to. So, in Luke 10, Jesus emphasizes this dependency point by saying to the disciples, hey, don't even take money bags with you. He doesn't, he's not telling us all to not have money. He's trying to, he was trying to tell them, be, don't be dependent on your money bags, be dependent on me. And I believe to the American church, it's okay for us to do fun stuff. I like, I like fun stuff, right? I like videos. I like little gimmicks. I love that. But my dependency is not on that to attract people to the gospel or win people to the gospel, okay? And I think that's a strong word to the American church. God is saying, don't, American church, don't depend on the gimmicks, Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? But, like, I, like I'm, I'm also the guy making the Mission Impossible videos, too. You know what I mean? So, like, another holding intention, holding intention, right? I'm not, like, depending on that video to, like, win kids to Jesus. Right? 
I'm just I'm having fun with kids because kids love to laugh, and we need to laugh. Um, cool, cool. You, everyone tracking with me? I, I feel like your silence means that you're tracking with me. Okay, all right. Cool, cool. All right, so you're going to begin with prayer. Um, when you're in a workplace, you're going to pray for the people in your environment, okay, at your school, before they've said yes to Jesus. Guess what? After they've said yes to Jesus, you're still going to pray for them. It's like the same thing, right? Jesus prayed all night before choosing his 12 disciples who would become apostles. In Luke 6, 12, it says, Now it came to pass in those days he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12 whom he named apostles. So before he chose his 12 group of apostles, he stayed up all night praying. So Jesus modeled this to us to begin with prayer. Pray for the people that are going to be the workers in their harvest field, okay? Ooh, ooh, I gave you guys handouts. That's right. This is, this is the time for, for the circle part. If you can pull out your handout. If you don't have a handout, put your handout. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I, you see, it just, it just happened naturally. The moment my daughter was born, it was just the dad jokes just started, like, flowing. You, I, I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to apologize. I'm not apologizing for the dad jokes. Uh, Rose might have some in the back, some extras. Okay. So, the, the circle part is um, what we do at our house. We actually made a big poster board with these concentric circles on them. And what we started doing was we just, just to raise our awareness that there's like people around us. And to write it down in black and white does something to you, right? So we wrote um, the names of our neighbors down, a few neighbors. We wrote um, some of, like, our cousins that don't know Jesus. Um, and then in the outer circles, we wrote, like, that one girl at McAllister's that we always see. You know, like, and that way it raises your awareness that there's, like, people around. You know, because sometimes if we don't write it down, it's just an abstract thought in our mind. But once you write down the actual names or places or whatever, then it becomes, like, tangible, then suddenly you have a list of people that you're going to bless, okay? And we're, we're talking about bless today. Okay, so those are the people you're called to impact, okay? So that's like, like your homework, you know? No one's going to grade you. I'm not going to check you. Oh, I might check in. I, I really might. I might text you. But, um, but like just write down a few names that you're like, I want this person come to know Jesus, right? And um, yeah. My brother-in-law Steve is here. Steve, can you raise your hand? Steve was on our list at one time, right Steve? And we prayed for him and suddenly one day he calls my wife and he's like, I'm at my house and the Holy Spirit just showed up, right? And we wrote that down, Steve. We wrote that date down that God encountered you. It's really cool. Um, all right, let's go to the next part of the bless anti model. <laughs> B 
beginning with prayer. We're dependent on the Holy Spirit. Um, focus on people. Focus on a people group. Or if you're like, man, I really want to reach that apartment building for Jesus, write apartment building and pray over it and ask God to lead you to the one. Right? You don't have to reach everyone, just reach the one. Next slide. All right, next. The L stands for listening. I know this sounds very not spiritual, but let me build a biblical case for listening, okay? First of all, we're going to listen to people and be active listeners before the cross, and then we're going to continue to listen to people and care for them after the cross, okay? We're going to treat people the same. Okay, I had, um, when I was working at this school, I had a buddy, Jacob. He was my practicum student and later became my student teacher. Very large fellow, very funny, um, a little bit socially awkward. He was having trouble fitting in, and I would sit and listen to him. Like, he needs, I listened. He needs friends. He's telling me what he needs. It's interesting, the inventor of the stethoscope was a doctor, and he said this to his fellow doctors. Doctors should listen to their patients so that they can know how to heal them. It's a good quote. So I listened to my buddy Jacob. He started coming to our small group. And then he suddenly is like, well, can I come to Sunday mornings? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a little crazy. You know, we're a little wild with the worship and stuff. And he's like, sure, I'll do it. He started coming, but the emphasis was on that connection in the small group. And uh, pretty soon he's like baptizing the Holy Spirit and stuff. Crazy. Um, let's read a few verses about listening. James 1.19. So then, my beloved brethren, brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Titus 3.2. He's encouraging him to... Not speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. If you're humble, you listen to people. James 1.26, if anyone amongst you thinks he's, he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So if you're just talking all the time and not listening, hey, I didn't say it, James said it. Don't shoot the messenger. Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not out, out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I'd like to propose that you cannot know the interests of others if you're not listening to them. Okay? Here are some active listening tips. Listen to understand. Many times in America, we listen just enough to get our point in. Don't do that. Withhold judgment. So, like, I have this group of guys that I text, and they're rough and tumble. They do not know Jesus. Right, Cody? Cody knows who I'm talking about. They're like, I'm not even going to go into it. But they're rough, okay? And I don't, I don't correct them. I don't like, hey, you need to clean up your speech when I'm around. No, just be yourself. It's, it's fine, Right? Because in a minute, we're going to talk about we are not tainted by hanging out with people. I don't know where we got this thought in the church that someone can, like, taint us. 
Like, no, I'm pretty sure when Jesus touched lepers, Jesus didn't get leprosy, right? I'm pretty sure Jesus healed the lepers because his holiness went on to them and healed them. That is good. Thank you. That is a good point. So we withhold our judgment. When someone tells you a story, ask a clarifying question. Ask a follow-up question, right? Oh, you went to Florida. Man, what did you, how was that? You know, was the, what, did you get sunburned? Was it hot? You know, what did you do? What was your favorite thing that you did? Ask some clarifying questions. And then summarize what you heard. Oh, man, so you went through this experience and someone's in the hospital. Um, it sounds like that, that's been very difficult, right? You summarize what, you're, what, what the person was saying. All right, we're going to keep cruising along here. Next slide. E, you're going to eat with people as part of blessing them. You're going to eat with people. You're going to eat with people before the cross, and you're going to continue to eat with people after the cross. Okay? There are 20, in American culture, there are 21 times a week that you have on your schedule to eat. Can you just invite someone? Just involve someone in our life right? Hey, let's eat together. Coworker. Instead of going out to your car to eat, invite a coworker, you know, and sit in the, the break room, right? We have 21 opportunities a week to eat. Take one, one of them, or maybe once every other week, and set it aside as a time. That's when I'm going to invite someone into my life. Uh, Nicholas Williams, are you here today? No, he's probably watching online. Nicholas Williams, my friend, had a neighborhood summer barbecue where they put the word out to his whole block to just bring a side dish. They'd provide, him and these other friends would provide a meat, and they set out tables on their front lawns, and they would just eat together. How cool is that? That is super cool. Um, Jesus instructed his disciples in Luke 10 when they meet people and remain in that house, eating and drinking the things they give you. Eating is just such a connecting, bonding thing. Uh, I need to read this passage, Matthew 9.9. Because anything that riles up the religious spirit, I want to know about that. Pharisees were super offended at Jesus eating with people. They were super offended. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. He said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And then Jesus left because he was afraid he'd be tainted by them. (laughs) No, that is not what Jesus did. It says, "When when the Pharisees saw that Jesus was having a good time and talking to these people, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he like hanging out with these people? Don't you know he's going to get unclean? But when Jesus heard that, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Zacchaeus in Luke 19, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, for today I have to stay at your house. 
picked him. He saw Zacchaeus, his, his hunger, and he's like, Zacchaeus, I want you. I want to hang out with you. When he saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. That religious spirit gets all riled up. Love it. Um, we're not tainted by people. Okay? We just talked about that. Um, skip ahead. Oh, I already talked about that. Jesus healed the leper. Uh, I saw this quote. This passage makes it clear that Jesus is not afraid or, or disgusted of our brokenness. He treats us as friends, making the first contact. He seeks us out in the crowd, gently touching our shoulders and reassuring us that we are loved and valuable. Next, in the acronym of BLESS, serve. We're going to serve people before the cross. Whether that's a prophetic word, whether that's bringing them a meal, whether that's praying for them to be healed, whatever, we're going to serve them after the cross. Same. Same Z's. Free gift. Jesus went around giving out free gifts to people. He's like, even if you don't serve me and follow me, this is a free gift that I'm giving you. Be healed. Right? Here's a free meal of fish and bread. You don't have to follow me. Free gift. Right? Um, what time is it? Oh, I have lots of scriptures for the serve part. I'll post, post them online for you to read. Let me read one. In slide 31, Debbie, Jesus wrapped the servant's towel around himself and told his servants to do the same. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, John 13. They had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Debbie, if you can go, if we can play that video real quick. It's just like a one-minute video um, about a group of people. Well, you're going to hear here in a second. Well, I ran across um, an absolutely fascinating study. It was actually a doctoral thesis. And it was called uh, Blessers versus the Converters. Blessers versus the Converters. And the study was based on two teams of missionaries. They both went to Thailand. But they went to Thailand with, with two distinctly different kind of missional strategies. Um, the, the Converters went with this, this kind of the sole intention of converting people, evangelizing people. The Blessers, they went with the intention of just blessing people. And they said, we're just here to bless whoever comes our way. Well, they followed both of them for a couple of years, and here's what they discovered. First of all, they discovered that the blessers, their presence in the community, it, it resulted in tremendous amounts of social good. It actually bettered the society. It made better community life. Converters, they saw no such thing, nothing. The second thing was, and this is surprising, the blessers actually had 50 times, 50 times as many conversions as the converters. The blessers actually helped 50 times more people find their way back to God. 50 times more. And when you begin to look at that study, here's the kind of the bottom line. It seemed like the best way to accomplish the Jesus mission of reaching and restoring is to be a blesser. Wow. Just to be clear, that is not to the exclusion of sharing the gospel. Because that's the next step. 
okay? When they're talking about societal change, they're not just talking about just societal changes. They're talking about in conjunction with the gospel. So that leads us, when you have that servant's heart that Jesus had, that leads us to the last part of the bless, which is share your story and share the word. So proclamation is so important, okay? It is so important. Um, a lot of us, though, have come from a uh, background where you, you present, you know, the Romans road first. Like the first time you meet someone, you shake your hand, you're like, boom, Romans road, quoting scripture right there. If the Holy Spirit leads you to do that, like, do it. We can hold two things in tension, right? Okay. However, you don't have to lead with that. It can, you, that's the beauty of this. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to be, it's not like this rigid formula, right? So if you feel led to be like, hey, man, it sounds like you had a rough day. Can I just pray for you? Completely legit, okay? But if you're like, hey, it sounds like you had a rough day. Here's 20 bucks, buy yourself a meal. Also completely legit. Because you are ministers of the gospel who have the Holy Spirit in you that can hear the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you on how to bless people, okay? So, you're, so here's the thing. This is where we get a little mixed up. You're going to share your story with people that don't know Jesus yet and have not pledged allegiance to Jesus yet, and you're going to share your story with those that did. You're going to share your thoughts and revelations from the Word of God with people that have not, don't know Jesus yet. You're going to continue to share those thoughts after, because all of us are on a journey to bring clarity to the face of the Father in Jesus. We are, every human being is on a path to understand that God-man better. So it doesn't matter which side of the cross you're on, we're all see through a glass darkly. So we're all on a mission to, uh, so I put up like the kind of like Picasso where the face is all, and sometimes people have a view of Jesus that's even further this direction. It's just like the universe. Dude, I'm so sick of hearing that on TV shows and stuff. The universe told me. Like, come on. But they're, what they're saying is there's like some higher power is just not defined, right? Through your story, your personal story, and through sharing your revelations of Jesus of the word, through the word, you bring them from believing in a universe to them believing something, and then you want to move them past that and then bring clarity to the face of Jesus, Right? Every human being is on that trajectory. So we're going to treat people the same before the cross and after the cross. Okay? Um, your story and you sharing the word. Now, when you share the word with people, you don't have to be like, I'm going to share the word with you now. Right? You're just like, let me give you an illustration. One time uh, last year in the middle, or the year before in the middle of the COVID thing, we were having like a family kind of worship Bible time together and we were discussing how, um, how so many people have like a warped view of the Father and 
like I, well, I was hearing people say like, you know, why does God make us sick and all this stuff? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's like the Pablo Picasso view of the father. You know, it's like warped. No sooner had we finished that discussion than my elderly neighbor, who has never knocked on my door before, knocks on my door. She had some mail for me. And she gives me the mail, and then she's like, why would God have this happen to us with this COVID? And then I look over my kids, and they're like, and I'm like, well, funny you mentioned that. Her name's Emma. Funny you mentioned that, Emma. I said, me and the kids were just talking that Jesus was the exact representation of the Father on the earth. And you know what happened to people whenever they came to Jesus wanting to be healed? They were healed. And so she just kind of was like chewing on that for a while. So I was able to take her kind of Pablo Picasso view of the Father and Jesus and bring a little more clarity in that conversation, right? Oh man, I better get going here. All right, so... I challenge you guys this week, get, take that paper, I'll post the digital version online, I'll do, post my notes online, write down some people that you are called to bless around you. The steps of bless are right on the paper, okay? For those of you who are going through a tough winter, fall season right now, it is hard to push through the pain of the moment you're in and to rip your gaze off of the pain and to put it on someone else. It is really hard. But I challenge you to be like, God, I am hurting, but I'm going to pray for one person around me. Job, in Job 42.10, says the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. And that really reminds me of Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. It might take a really difficult step of faith to just write a name down on that paper and say, God, I need these prayers. I should be praying for myself right now. Take a step of faith and write a name down and pray for that person, and then watch Jesus come behind you and sabotage you, and tackle you with his goodness. Okay? So I just challenge you this week. Also remember, we can't do this alone. Sign up to come to the core group informational meeting if you want to be a part of hosting people or becoming a leader. If you are like, I am not connected yet here at Dayspring, we want you connected because we do not want you walking alone. So, info at dayspring.life, right, Tanil? Email, info. If you're like, I want connection, Paul, okay? Let's just put our hands over our heart for a minute and close in prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see the harvest around me. Give me eyes to see the one. Give me the passion, compassion to stop for the one. Help me to bless the world around me. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Love you guys. What a distinct privilege to be with you adults this morning. Um, I, I'm, my family and I will be around this summer. We're just, like I said, just taking a little rest break to be up to full strength. Um, and just covet your prayers. We'll have great testimonies for you soon. Larry, do you have any closing thoughts?